my name is Paul. Uh, you don't need to know that, but I'll tell you anyway. And I've got five administrative things to say before we get started. Uh, the first is that all of the uh, materials and audio for tonight's class are available online. They will be available online. We'll get the recording up as soon as we can, notes and that sort of thing. The website that you'll need for that is savehealdeliver.us. I'm sure we'll say that again at some point, but it's savehealdeliver.us. Um, we'll talk about groups a little bit later, but uh, just so you know, groups are still being formed. And don't be worried if you're not in a group. You will get an email this week with information about who your group leader is and making contact for meeting them for next week. Um, at this point, we're considering the class closed unless somebody is already on the list. So. Uh, Ideally, next week, you wouldn't be bringing any friends with you. I think we're pretty well locked down because we've got a lot of things we have to do to get groups established and running. So uh, that's where we are right now. If you have any questions, talk to one of the administrative folks about that. Um, oh, actually, so, so though we're doing our groups this time, if anybody's been a part of this in the past, the group leaders are more facilitators sort of in the spiritual journey uh, meaning of the word. So they're not necessarily uh, leaders who know everything. Uh, the idea is that they are facilitating the group. They've been given some coaching on things that need to be, you know, be covered, the agenda, that sort of thing. But everybody uh, is to have ownership over the group. And so the idea is that you're not sitting with an expert. You're just sitting with somebody who stepped up to say, I want to lead and help and help facilitate. So just so you know that going in. And lastly, um, if you have not received emails, there was one sent on Saturday. If you're not getting those, they may be in your spam folder uh, or we may, you may not be on the list. So make sure you sign up if, uh, if you haven't seen those. I think that's it. Yeah, let's take that. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Wow, Paul's table. I really want to give a special shout out to Paul's table for hosting him, making him feel so comfortable. Uh, hi, you are here uh, because you are interested in a class called, uh, well, three classes. You were interested in a class called Healing and Deliverance for the ladies out there. Or you're interested in a class called Fighting Strongholds, which the guys did. Or you were interested in a class called Basic Skills. Um, yeah, H&D, shorthand. Um, if you are interested in any of those things, you are in the right place. What we have done is um, we have, it, we actually had to do a lot of work to separate those topics from each other because basically what we're talking about is how to become a disciple, a full-fledged, trained, meat-eating disciple. And um, what we did is we just sort of shuffled the deck, said, this is one thing now. So you're in the one thing. It's a, it's a, new, it's a new hybrid beast that you're uh, experiencing. We're glad you're here. And um, <clears throat> I'll tell you my story. My name is Stephen, and um, I'm a, a part-time staffer here at Crossroads. And um, I, work in the, uh, I work in the discipleship arena, which is the making of disciples. So it, it really works out for me well that this class falls into that category, um, because that's my job. Um, the making of disciples and spending time with uh, particularly guys, small groups of guys, so they can grow up, has been 
the central um, ministry passion of mine for uh, about 18 years now. And um, I'm a musician. That doesn't interest me nearly as much as making disciples. That's what I, it's, it's, real, it's what I want to be. It's what I want on my tombstone. Um, that I want to help people get to a place of spiritual maturity, which requires equipping, and it requires, as we're going to discuss tonight, skills being developed. That's why we call this class Critical Skills. I don't want to waste your time. We don't have a lot of time together. Um, so we've really had to drill down on a few skills that are core skills. And luckily, I didn't have to invent that list myself. The Bible gives us that list, as we'll uh, see in a moment. But my story is that um, I could go around this room and I know what I would find. I'll tell you. Maybe you, you might not have known as many people in their spiritual journey as I have. And I'll just tell you, here's what I know is that for any of us in this room who said yes to Jesus, there was a huge lag time between us saying yes to him and us actually start to grow, when you actually started to grow. For me, that lag time was 11 years. 11 freaking years of wasted time attending church services. And I attended them, baby. I attended the hell out of those church services. I was there all the time. The janitors knew me. The guys that ran the gym knew me. I grew up in Southern Baptist uh, world in Texas. And if you got a church with over 100 people, you got a gym, okay? <laughs> and so I, I was there. I did all the stuff. What changed my life, um, <clears throat> what, where my um, walk with God went, uh, took a quantum leap, wasn't uh, that I learn more information. And if you attend a church a lot and hang around Christian bookstores, which I don't necessarily recommend, uh, or just kind of into Christian subculture, you'll kind of get the feeling that we need to learn a lot of good stuff and eventually we'll cross the threshold of I think I think rightly now, finally. I think I have all the stuff. And now I really know the Bible and I think I could pass a Bible test. Oh, praise the Lord. Let the, feel the glory come. Um, as if that gets you anything. And I'll just tell you, that doesn't get you anything. Jesus said specifically, you search the scriptures, you Pharisees, because you think that by them you have eternal life, but the scriptures testify about me. But you wouldn't come to me, he says. So have a good time with all your Bible reading. I'm a big Bible fan. I love the word. I love the scriptures, but I know that they don't produce salvation for anybody. And I was raised in an atmosphere that taught me pretty much just hang around Bible preaching church world and you'll get there. I didn't get there. I'm here to save you years, I hope. I didn't get there. What changed my life was when somebody took an interest in me personally and started, um, started me down a road of developing some really critical skills. Not when I got my theology right. We're, when we finish this, we'll be all over the board on theology. And I couldn't care less. I, that is really not an important thing to me. Um, there's people I respect deeply, their walk with God, and we don't agree on minor, minor points that don't matter. I'm just not a theology guy. I, I'm, I'm into being a practitioner. 
And if you know how to do this stuff, I'm, I'm in. I want you on my team. If you know how to, if you know how to do the stuff about walking with God, hearing His voice, um, how to repent and how to lay hands on people and how to deal with the devil and you know how to slice and dice somebody's strongholds in their life, hooray, I'm in. And if we if we disagree about minor points, I don't care, just don't care. And I don't think we're going to care in the end either. Um, When did my disciple-making take off? Not when I sent them to better books to read. Here's, here's a really helpful book. I mean, that's what I... That's church world. Um, what I think that we need is skills. That's where my life changed. Um, it changed. And my understanding of how the Lord deals with me and how to relate to His words. What is it like when He corrects me? I mean, that was a huge thing for me in... Uh, in my world, what is it like when God corrects you? And basically, if I ever felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me I was wrong about something or I'd been doing something wrong, I just wanted to go hide under a rock or kill myself because I just thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't do it right. I know God expects me to do it right, and I didn't do it right, and I know He hates me, and I'm so sorry, God, I should never have been born. Um, and I, I didn't understand anything about when the Lord deals with you and he corrects you, that he's really paying you a great compliment, that he's doing you a favor. And what he's saying is, I care about you and I care about where you're headed. And because I care about where you're headed, I'm going to make some course corrections here so we can cut out this destructive path and we can go on into life. I never, I didn't understand that until somebody walked me through you ever feel like the Lord's telling you you're doing something wrong? Yes, I do. I do. Okay, well, that's, he's telling you that he loves you when he does that. He is? Yes. Let's look at it in the scriptures. Open these things up to me. I start practicing. So this, in, in my relationship with mentor types in my life, start talking through, well, I think the Lord's putting his finger on my dating life. I don't really know how to do that. Um, okay, let's talk about that. The Lord is addressing that. That means he loves you. That means he wants to grow you up in this area, etc. Um, and that's where my life took off, and that's what I've been trying to do for other guys for the last 18 years. And we've run this class for, I don't know, five years-ish. And uh, if you will, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. And let's look at a really important passage here. <clears throat> We'll start in uh, verse 11 of Hebrews 5. It's the passage at the top of your sheet. Hebrews is way, way to the right, almost to the end. And it's not as big as it should be, darn it. You just skip over it. Hebrews 5, verse 11, says, About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, i.e., 
11 years. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Some translations say the foundational truths, the basic principles. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. There's that word. Skill. It's not about knowledge. It's about skill. Is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have had the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's, that's one definition of maturity. We'll talk a lot about maturity. So he sets up that maturity is at least partially about skills, about mastering skills. Um, and he also says, found, and talks about basic founda foundational uh, concepts. So let's leave the elementary, this now we're into chapter 6, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of, and now he's going to list these six basic foundational skills. So let's not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, or some translations say repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith toward God, instruction about baptisms. This one says washing for some reason, English standard version. Um, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, by golly, if God permits. Okay. I can take a little poll in the classroom and go, has everybody got these down? Everybody? Because um, he says these are basic elementary skills. And again, I look at myself, gosh, guys, I, now let's shoot forward to me being a believer 15, 20 years. And I didn't have these things. Nobody built these things into me. That's sad. It makes me cry. And when I look around uh, church world, I'll be more specific. When I look around crossroads, I have this question in my heart. Where are the mature? Are, are the only people who are like really skilled ministers the people on staff? Are you kidding me? I don't believe that. Well, then why is it that when we have so many, um, so many newborns, people who get born again and say yes to Jesus in our services, they buy the thousands. Who picks them up? And who takes care of them and helps them grow all the way to maturity? Where are those people? Where are the mature people? And I, I, there's this huge sucking sound at Crossroads, this vacuum where there ought to be mature people in there or not. And the fact is, we haven't been established in basic principles. Do you understand the power of the resurrection? Do you know what that means? Do you understand that as a skill in your life? Do you know how to do resurrection in your life every day? Most of us would say, I, 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 I've never had access to that. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to do that. And I am so excited and so proud of you, Lot, for being here, 
know that you didn't really know what you're getting into, but you're here. <laughs> and what you're saying is, I, I desire to grow. I want to be a disciple, and I need to grow in some skills that are lacking for me. And I promise you, in your life in the Lord will get better. And I know that you're full of frustrations and doubts, and you're going like, it's been 20 years. What, why haven't I grown? What's going on here? And I really think that we're going to fill in some, some blanks for you. They're going to help you get past the malaise of immaturity and the malaise of spiritual junior high and go like, how do we grow up here? Well, this, this is one recipe. It's right here in the scriptures about how we grow up. And I am so, I'm, I just, just want to cuss. I'm so excited. <laughs> because I look at this group and, um, you know, Jesus built in to 12 guys for about two and a half, three years. And the, and the Acts of the Apostles records these men turned the world upside down. And I know the numbers. I've been doing this a long time. And I know that we will be casting seed out to people listening to my voice right now. You're not going to do anything with this. I know that already. I know, I know how the numbers work. I also know there are people in this room who you are going to start running after God in a way that you never have before. You've never been given the tools. And you're going to start making disciples. And you're going to, you're going to reproduce yourself by the thousands by the, by the time you die. And you will have duplicated your faith many times over just because something got started in you. And you thought, I can follow this guy. You know, I, I can know Jesus and I know how to walk with him. That freaking, I could be, be set on fire here. It would be ignited on fire. It excites me so much. Um, so I want to be a blessing to you guys. I care about you. Um, I want to serve you. We have a whole admin team that's making this class happen, one of which is Paul, who you talk to. Um, I'm not making this class happen, by the way. They just rolled me in and I just talk for a while. Um, these people are making the class happen, and we love you flat out. If you're anywhere along the, uh, along the growth chart with Jesus and you're trying to know him more, we love you. And because of the way that I love him, I would die for you, period. That's the only way I know to really show my love for him because I can't hug him, which is really frustrating sometimes. But he sends me to you, and he says, hug them. That's what we want to do, is do everything in our power to serve you, to equip you, and set you up to be overwhelming conquerors, the way the Bible talks about it. Thanks for being here. I'm excited. Let's go. I mean, let's, I'm getting so riled up. I should go back to the sheet here. Okay. Um, this class is going to be an answer to the question. Am I the only one that's warm up here? Just me? Okay. Whew. Um, this class is going to be an answer to the question, um, what do I need to go to maturity, to get to maturity? And it's also an answer to the question, what do I need to reproduce in someone else so that they could be all the way mature? So there are people in this room who are already producers, but they want to be better producers. And um, I've spent a lot of time, I think I've spent my 10,000 hours trying to get good at this thing. And so we've got a, you know, a, a very tight list of skills, again, that the Bible gives us about how to grow someone up.
Okay, let's get into your sheet here. What's the point? We're gonna do two points tonight and two processes um, for getting to that point. The first point is maturity. Maturity. And hit it. Oh yeah, maturity. Um, I'm going to read James 1.15. It's right after Hebrews. That's the reason I wanted to read James 1.15. Because I didn't understand what that verse was. And that is not the right verse. It's a really disturbing verse. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know what that's for. Why is it James 1.15 there? I'll just go through in my mind what that should have been. We're new at making um, we're new at making handouts, everyone. Yeah, that's what I feel better about. <laughs> We're going to get to James 1.22 later. Does your, say, your sheet says 1.15 also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put a little line through James 1.15. That's not what that is. Let's look at Ephesians 4. Know what Ephesians 4 says. This is a little exercise I like to do called, what do the verses on the sheet say? I like to do that live with 100 people in the room. <laughs> okay, Ephesians 4, starting at 13, says, uh, let's just go to 12. Um, to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I don't know what you think about ministry, who you think that's for, you think it's somebody who's on a payroll at a church? It's not. It's for you. Um, and the only job of producers, um, hopefully that would be people like me and anybody else in here who's a producer, the job of a producer is to give you the tools so that you can do the work of ministry. Clearly that's what's said in this verse. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. I like that. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What? The passage just said, we should attain maturity to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. I'll tell you another, another way of saying that is this is uh, Romans 8, 29. It's your destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And Ephesians 4 just said, until we're going to keep going until we all collectively reach perfect unity in Christ and we collectively look exactly like Jesus walking around on earth. Now that gives me goosebumps. That's exciting that we're going to get there because we are going to get there. 
but I also go, oh, we have some work to do. The reason that I, that I read that passage to you is because I want you to understand that for you, life in Christ isn't about swirling around the whirlpool of church life, constantly going, well, I'll see you guys Sunday, see you Wednesday at the prayer meeting, see you Thursday night at the Bible study, and just constantly doing that endlessly and hoping you pick up a little goodies along the way. There is a direct line between where you're standing right now and Christ-likeness. And the Lord is pushing you directly down that line with no detours. And he doesn't want you wasting 11 years of your life. He wants you to get right to where you're headed, which is the full stature of the person of Christ. I want you to understand that for yourself. I want you to have that ambition for yourself. And understand that it's my, it, it, it's, it, it's my destiny and that what stands before me is maturity. And you don't have to look like I'm not mature, but you don't have to look like me, the guy standing at the front of the room. You don't have to look like Brian Tome or whoever else. You need to look like Jesus in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's also in Ephesians. Just, I just want to live his fullness in my life, be done with sin. That's one of the main things that this class will help us do is work through all of our sin poo-poo and be done with that garbage so that we can move on to maturity. We can gain some skills. Um, brothers, I could not, this is 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly is what the scripture says, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. Sounds exactly like Hebrews 5. For you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. All I want us to see from that scripture, the reason I'm having you write the world, world, word worldly down, is because um, Paul makes a parallel between worldliness and immaturity. If you find yourself worldly, you say, I love Jesus, I want to follow him, and yet I find myself uh, sleeping around or getting drunk. I would say to you, all is not lost. You're merely worldly, and that's a problem of immaturity, and that's okay. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old at home. And they are perfectly immature. And if they spoke eloquently all the time and made right decisions, we would institutionalize them. <laughs> you know, they're a two-year-old, supposed to act like a two-year-old. And so I'm not, I, I don't flip out about immaturity. If somebody is showing me immaturity 10, 15, 20 years down the line, we also institutionalize those people. Something's not right. You didn't get plugged in right. Something's not happening the way it's supposed to. You're supposed to grow up into maturity. So I just want us to see that worldliness and immaturity are synonyms, the way that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 3. Do you see that? I say, uh, do you see that? Yes. Okay, great. That helps me when you talk like that. And so whatever sin is, is your deal, whatever is your bag, and this might not make sense to some of you, but when we get into um, like unloving, that's like, 
huge. That's my bag. I'm good at that. Religion, judgment, very good at that. I can do that all day. Um, whatever that stuff is in you, that's where you're immature. And the Lord wants to grow you up. It's easy. I mean, it's just easy to identify. That's immaturity. And you know what? I know in my heart, I'm going to grow up into the image of Christ. So I know that the Lord is going to deal with those areas of sin in my life. I'm repeating myself, but I just want you to, I want to raise your expectations on where you're going to get to. Being a good citizen and a person who gives money to church isn't a very high bar. Not interested in that. I want to be like Jesus. I would like the power that he had at his disposal. I want the intimacy with which he walked with his father. I want that now. I want it. Because he made me that promise. So that's where I'm going. And I want you to want that too. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, I'll just talk sometimes. Okay. I wanted you to see some biblical stages of maturity. I'm not going to talk at length about these. I'm certainly not going to talk about this. Just forget all this. You don't, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> well, I do want to say this about our class. Um, we are doing, uh, there's two things that you need to, to grow up and to harness anything that God's doing in your life. It's to change your thinking and to change your behavior. And this lecture, standing around, listening to me blather on for hours and hours, might can help your thinking a little bit, but it won't turn you into a disciple and it won't make you mature. I did that. It's called going to church. And it did not make me mature. What, what will mature you is if you change both your thinking and your behavior. So we are going to make sure that you have opportunities, yes? What's Mark 115 say? I think it probably was. You know what you could do? Thank you, Tina. Is um, where it says James 115. That's probably supposed to be Mark 115 where Jesus says, repent and believe. Thank you, Tina. Repent and believe. So I'm just, I'm just putting this up here because I want you to know the rhythm of this class is going to go from a lecture where you hear some info and maybe start thinking differently. And then we're going to go into small groups every other week. And we're, those are drill groups. We're going to practice these skills. You're going to practice them in your life. You're going to practice in these groups. And we're going to start changing our behavior and getting good at these skills. Okay? And yes, you can practice skills like baptisms. And it changes your life. Look, I even said it up here with arrows and text. And, oh, I didn't go over our rules at all for this class. You're going to pick a memory verse. Every time you're in this lecture, you're going to pick a memory verse and say, for instance, this is, this is the intro week, and we're going to talk, I'm talking to you about skills. I want you to own the idea of skills, that that's something that, man, I need that in my life. So you're going to pick a verse. It doesn't have to be the verse I recommend. You pick whatever verse speaks to you, and you're going to memorize that. And I'm telling you that when you meet with your small group next week, the first thing that you're going to do is quote the verse that you chose tonight. Do you understand me about memory verses? Because a memory verse is a way to put a stake in the ground and say, God spoke to me on this thing, and I'm holding on to it. And from that concept, I'm going to change my thinking, I'm going to change my behavior and go to a new place. There's probably some other rules I should have gone over for this class. 
Uh, it was just it was just that you're going to be in a small group um, that's already been assigned for you, and you're going to meet each other before we leave. There's that verse. Aren't these slides helpful? Okay. I want you to understand that there are um, five stages um, scripturally for um, growing up. Um, there's uh, five Greek words used in the New Testament that are all translated son, and they describe the process of growing up into maturity. The first word that you've got there, don't you have it there, is napios, um, which is the stage of nativity and birth and infancy. Um, so this is somebody who's brand new, born again. What are the expectations on a newborn? Crying, pooping. Waking me up at night. Those are the expectations. Um, do you have to have anything at all together in this stage? No. You are necessarily a mess. You've just come to the Lord. What do I expect from you if you just come to the Lord? Zero. I expect an open heart. That's it. You, you, got, you had enough faith to say yes. No problem. Because you'll grow on from there to the paideon stage, which is a childhood um, you know, a young, a young kid who's getting tutored. Um, we've got some passages. You can look those up if you want. That, those, that word paideon is used in those scriptures. And it means that you're starting to understand um, something about what it means to be uh, a son of God. I have a relationship with God. What it means um, for me to have self-control. You might not have self-control, but you understand the concept um, this is where my four-year-old is at, starting to learn why it's wrong for you to not control yourself and starting to go, okay, I see that there's, I'm failing here. Um, you're learning what pleases God. That Ephesians 5 passage ends with a command, find out what pleases God. That's what a paideon is learning to do. It's learning what, what pleases God. Technon is an adolescent stage. This is a teenager, so... This is somebody who they, there might still be a little bit of rebellion in your life. Um, you might be still a little bit emotional, more emotional than you should be. You might be a little bit manipulative with God. Resent him as your authority sometimes. Why does God tell me what to do all the time? I totally remember feeling that way towards God. I see God, he, he always just tell me what to do. When, when, when do I tell him what to do? Yeah, that's not going to happen, kid. Um, but you're trying some stuff, you're having mixed results, you know, you're, you sort of dress up in big, big person clothes every once in a while and trying, this is what it would be like to be mature. I'm not really mature, but these shoes feel heavy and okay, I'm getting a sense of, you know, what it is like to be an adult. The next word is, is, is a, is an important word. It's huios, H-U-I-O-S, and it means mature. And so for a Jewish family who would go out of their way to train their children toward maturity, they would expect this to happen at 13 years old. And what huios means is that you could represent the family name out in the public marketplace. That I would trust my adult son to walk into any shop in town, put it on the family bill, represent us. He could even make deals for the family. He could make deals for property 
in the name of the family because he's a trusted son. Anytime you see that Jesus was the son of God, this is the word used for Jesus. Jesus is the huios of God. He's not the paideion of God. He's the huios, the adult, trusted son of God. That's where we all want to get to. This person, um, let me describe this person to you. This is a person who knows what the father says. There's a great story of Joseph in uh, Genesis around, I think it's around Genesis 26. And Joseph is sent out to do his father's bidding. He goes out and, he, and his father has sent him to go find your brothers. And he goes and he finds that his brothers are not where, where father sent him. Now, if he was technon, if he was just a teenager, he would have put his hands in his pockets, kicked a rock, and gone home and said, well, they weren't there where Dad said they would be. I did my job. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph said, I know the heart of my father. And if he were here right now, he would say, if they weren't where I told you they were, you're going to go find them. Because what I want in my heart is for you to deliver the message. And that's what Joseph did. He was now off the leash. God, his father didn't tell him to do this anymore, but he went and he found his brothers and he executed what his father wanted him to do. That's a picture of huios. So it's somebody who knows the father's words, carries them out in a, on a regular basis, represents the father in the interests of the family well in public, and sees his identity 100% as relating to the father. And the father says about him, I can trust you. Jesus' bar mitzvah, if you will, where he was told, you're a man, happened when he was baptized and the Spirit came down on him and Jesus said, this is my son and I'm proud of him. He always does what pleases me. And he made a public pointing at him before the whole world and said, that's my guy. That's what a bar mitzvah is. A father points at a son and says, this is my son. I'm proud of him. He's ready to go. Go get him. That's where I, that's where I want to get to. I want to be huios with the Lord. And then I'll just say finally that the, the last stage is pater. That's where you're not only mature, but you're reproducing and you're fathering others. You're parenting at that point. That's also where I want to end up. Okay, what's the process? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we use this at Crossroads a lot. Um, it just describes four stages of spiritual growth. The first is a seeker, and we kind of think of that circle as being the influence of the kingdom of God. So a seeker is somebody who's just kind of entering the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, and they're asking good questions. They don't know the answers, but they're asking good questions. Crossroads is a very safe place for those people. We love them. We want them here. Hallelujah. Praise God. This isn't a class for those people. I'll revisit that in a second. A receiver is somebody who they're, um, they, they've said yes to Jesus. I've heard enough. I'm convinced. What Jesus says about himself is real. I want him. Again, what do I expect out of uh, Napios? Not, nothing, except that they said, I want him. Yes to Jesus. And they could be doing all sorts of stupid things. But they, all they say is, I want to say yes to Jesus. Well, that's a receiver, and what we want to do with a receiver is to establish them in the faith, give them some good uh, anchors, um, and just um, establish, you know, let them set down roots. I always think of, I, I'm talking about rootedness because I keep thinking of 
what I always think of there is um, Colossians 2, 6, and 7, which says um, it talks about putting down roots and, and growing up in the Lord. And that takes time. If you've ever planted anything, there's a reason we're given these pictures in Scripture because that, that's a slow, it's a slow process to really set down roots and really pursue God, pursue the Scriptures on the deep questions of your heart until I really know what, is it like to, what does it mean for me to be a son of God. I think I'm getting it. You know, I think I get it. What does it mean that he loves me? What does grace mean? Does grace mean that he paints a big old brush over every wrong thing that I do? Oh, I just love you anyways. No, that's not what God's like. There are some things that displease the Lord. There are some things that please the Lord. We're learning how to grow up in those things. Um, I, I, I have a daughter, and, and, and uh, I, I said that, I know. <laughs> I know I said that. When I spank her, um, as the Bible tells me to do, um, <laughs> when I spank her and, and she comes to me, uh, a lot of times when I comfort her after disciplining her, that she's just starting to do this a lot. She'll come to me and say, but Daddy, do you love me? Because I've told her so many times, I'm, I've tried to make it really clear, when you do things that are wrong, I have to deal with them because I love you, and I don't never want you to question the fact that I love you. And so she'll come to me now when we're sort of doing our debrief afterwards, and she'll say, but you love me. Don't you love me, Daddy? I say, oh, of course I love you. I wouldn't discipline you if I didn't love you. I'd just let you go on. And um, this receiving stage is where somebody starts really believing that God loves them so that when he disciplines us later, as he does, we don't question his love for us because we've received it so deeply and been patiently receiving that affirmation from our Father. We don't want people to stay there. We want them to go on to become a follower and a follower isn't someone who just um, passively receives what God has for him, which is a great, it's a great attitude. I don't have any problem with somebody doing that, but I don't want them to stay there. Not passively receiving, but actively going after him. That's the difference between a follower and a receiver. Is a follower set, has the attitude of, I'm going to get God, and don't you stay in my, don't you get in my way, because I'm going to get him. I'll speak for myself and say, I'm going to get him, and if Crossroads ever gets in my way, I'm leaving Crossroads. And if leading this class ever gets into my way, I won't lead the class anymore, because I'm going to get him. I'm going to go after him. And if, and if I get the inkling that he is waiting for me in Tanzania, uh, we'll be selling our house, buying plane tickets, and I'm going to Tanzania, because I'm going to get him, and I'm not going to miss him. Um, a, disciple, a disciple is somebody who has decided everything I have belongs to God. There's no arena of my life that he can't put his hands on, that he can't reconfigure. He can't change up and, make, and call the shots any way that he wants to. That's a pretty strong statement. But if you're a disciple, you don't say things like, how much longer am I going to be single? That's not the attitude of a disciple. Because a disciple says, my life is the Lord's. May he do with me as he pleases. That's what Mary said when the angel of the Lord came to her and said, you're a virgin and yet you're pregnant. You know what the implications are for you societally for that? And her, her response was, may it be to me as the Lord says. 
Love you, Mary. <clears throat> That's the attitude of a disciple. I make my request known to God doesn't mean that you, he doesn't have a, you don't have a voice. He doesn't hear you, of course. I make my request known to the Lord, but may it be to me as he says. My life belongs to him. Career-wise, financially, all of my relationships, the way my, when, when my tires go flat, do you complain and spit and cuss? Or do you go, my life belongs to the Lord. We'll deal with the flat tire. It's okay. I don't always look like a disciple, but I know what I want to be. I want to be huyas. I want to grow up. That's a follower. <clears throat> and a follower, what we need to do with followers is help them get equipped. This, cl this class is for followers. <laughs> or maybe you're a receiver and you think, I think I'm ready to make that transition into being a follower. This is a good class for you. This will be a good place for you. Because what we want to do is equip you to go get them, tiger. I just want to set you up through teaching and through practice so that you can go kill them in the wild and you can just destroy the works of the devil. I believe it. I believe it. <clears throat> Lastly, producer. And that's simply, that's, a pot, that's pater. That's somebody who has gotten to the place where they can reproduce their faith in somebody else. You can meet a lost person in the checkout line and if they hang around you for the next year, they're going to become a follower of Jesus just because you got that look, man. You just know how to do it. You can just slice and dice people. That's your destiny, by the way. <clears throat> I just thought it might be helpful to line these, these Greek terms up with what we use around here. Napios, right there, an infant. Paideon. Technon is right there when you become a follower. Huios is a good, mature follower. Pater is a producer. Hey. <clears throat> the process is skills. The process for becoming mature is skills. Having knowledge, this is your, these are your blanks here, having knowledge is not the same as having skills. <clears throat> we need to develop skills to become mature, not more information. When knowledge accompanies action, we get skills. When knowledge stands alone, we only get, anybody know? We get pride. Oh, snap. Ooh. Uh, when knowledge stands alone, we only get pride. Um, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says knowledge. Anybody know this? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love is active. It does something. Knowledge has this sick uh, side effect of puffing up. If you learn something from God that you know was God, you, you learn something, but you don't do anything about it, um, something's about to get sour. That's exactly how Jesus described the Pharisees. He said, these guys are yeasty. Watch out for them. Because they'll give you an interesting nugget. I don't know if you've ever heard of this verse this way. Think about this. Give you a little thought for the day. and Walk out and go like, Wow. That I really have something to think about now. Boy, he's really, 
the pastor really gave us something to think about today. And you feel a little bit spiritual. And it might be, it might be even true. But you feel spiritual as if something has really happened there. I'm telling you, you're on thin ice when that happens. I think that's really actually a dangerous thing. To learn something and then go, hmm, boy, we sure did learn something interesting tonight at this class. Oh, boy. Interesting. I'll be, uh, I'll be excited to go back next time. See if he can do it again. See if he can tell us another interesting thing. That's what church was like for me for about eight years. And I didn't hear that many interesting things either. Um, Listen to this verse. This is what I'm recommending to be your memory verse tonight. So knock yourselves out, but this is what I'd recommend. James 1.22, here it is. And I just mean these first two, two sentences are James 1.22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's James 1.22. What a great memory verse. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So here's a question I promise you I'm going to ask you every time we get together for lectures. What's a great way for someone to become deceived? Just by listening to the Bible. You think people get deceived in the big auditorium over there? I promise you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves because you get that little feeling of a little, mm -mm, a little spiritual satisfaction. I used to talk to God. I would read a passage in the Bible, be so moved by it that I would cry or I would be watching Sally Struthers about Compassion International commercial or whatever she does, save the children. And I would cry watching these, watching these ads. And then I ask God, am I, is that wrong? Am I crazy? I, I, like, I don't know what to do with that. Maybe you're just happy that I cried. Oh, you've got such a tender heart, son. Way to go. <laughs> or maybe there's something weird about that. Um, maybe it's weak or, or, or something. I don't know. Um, so I just went back and forth for years, just kind of going like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do about that. And then I understood this principle in James 1.22 that the Lord would say, um, that's really good that you were affected emotionally. I'm really happy about that. That's a great first half, son. The great first half. So I don't know what you think of this, and I don't really care. Um, but if I cry at a Save the Children commercial, I call Save the Children and I give them money. So, and you would say, oh, well, they just emotionally manipulate you to give money. I don't care. Uh, I, this isn't a marketing discussion. This is a spiritual life discussion. And what I'm not going to risk is having yeast in my life anymore. Emptiness, bloatedness, all foam and no beer. You ever heard that one? <laughs> I don't want to be all foam and no beer. I'd rather have zero foam and be the real thing. Um, so I, when the Lord speaks to me, I try to be diligent about, I'm going to do something about it because this verse is a warning to all of us. Do not merely hear 
the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's why you're going into small groups. We are going to, you might get a little inflated here, and we're going to let that out in your small group. You might get a little inflated. We're just going to make sure you have a place to practice so that something gets established in you that's more real than puffed upness. Doesn't help anybody. It, people who learn a bunch of stuff and don't follow through, they go to seminary and they start arguing with each other and they start picking at theological points. Who the F cares? Do you do the stuff? That's my question. I don't mean to knock everybody that goes to seminary. That's not my point. I'm just saying I've been around religious circles for a very long time. I've been everywhere that religion goes, folks. I've traveled around as a minister. I was a missionary. I've worked for churches before. Um, I've, I've done it. I've done all the stuff. And nothing is produced by having the answers. I want to see people who do the stuff. Okay. And one of the things that we're going to learn how to do is repent and fight. That's the whole strongholds element is that we have to know how to handle the devil. We got to. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's keep reading this passage. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That's what I want for you. Matthew 7 is a very similar passage. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's something you do with a skill, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on a rock. Sounds like Hebrews 5, foundations. Practice leads to foundations. That's what this scripture seems to indicate. And one who has those foundations can endure storms. We're going to talk about suffering later. I'll just say this as a teaser. I'm not interested in trying to make um, your life trouble-free. That's not going to happen. Uh, Job promises us that trouble is coming to all of us. I don't want your life to be trouble-free. I want your life to be trouble-proof. That's what I want. When the storms come into your life and the wind buffets the house of your life and the, and the rain comes pelting at your roof, I want you, you to stand in that day and go, I can take this. And when I see somebody who goes through really hard time and they don't shake their fist at God. They don't despair and go, he's left me. He doesn't love me anymore. But they go like, we're really going through it. We're really having a hard time, but we trust the Lord knows what he's doing. I want to take my shoes off. I don't come across those people very often. It's one of the, it's one of the real signs of the mature. It's one of the necessary signs of huios. Um and we can get there. I don't want you to fake. I'm not asking you to fake your way through that next time trouble happens to you. 
but we're going to walk through how to build up the skill of how to suffer well. It's a skill, and you can get good at it so that your life is storm-proof. Um, but everyone who hears these words of mine and, yet, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That means the people around you can hear when your life smashes to the ground. And you were a great testimony, not for the Lord, but um, you're a great testimony of your own uh, foolishness. Did you, were you trying to say something to me back there? Oh, no, 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 no. We're we just getting started. I'm kidding. We will break here just a second. Um, yeah, I've coached basketball for a long time, and I know that uh, reading basketball books, reading Sports Illustrated, is not the same as knowing how to play basketball. Information and the ability to do are two different things. Um, um, and the practice part is not about getting, it's not about being perfect. It's about practice. Um, that in itself is really necessary. A lot of us are familiar with Gladwell's 10,000 hours. That to master anything, you've got to spend 10,000 hours doing it, which is a little daunting. Um, but when I'm working with a kid, an eight-year-old, who's shooting a basketball for the first time, and I put it in his hands, and you put your elbow just like this. Make sure the ball rests up here on the tips of your fingers. Now with this left hand, you just want to cradle that ball. It's just guidance, guidance here, power with the right hand. I just let it go. Okay, let's see you do it, little Timmy. And he does it, and the ball goes three feet, you know, and there's the rim up there. And Timmy goes, I didn't come anywhere near the rim. What you don't say to Timmy is, you're obviously not designed for basketball, Timmy. <laughs> Bruce, let's get Bruce over here. You, no, what you say is, Timmy, perfect. You're doing great. Timmy, we're going to keep doing this a hundred times and a thousand times. And each time, you just practice that form I showed you. You get better, you get closer to it, and then you start hitting the rim, and that'll give you courage, and then it'll bounce all over that rim, and then eventually you're going to get it in eventually. Don't even worry about that right now. What I'm excited about, Timmy, is that you're doing the work and you're practicing. You're right on schedule. You're going to be just fine. And I want to say this about you, and I'll refer to my 11 years again. You hear me talk about maturity, and it might depress you and go like, these are supposed to be the basic skills. These are the elementary skills. I don't have any idea about any of these things. Completely foreign to me. That's where I was at. And I, here's what I want to say to you. The Lord can redeem the years the locusts have eaten. And He can do in you, in a year, more than you accomplished in the last 25. He can also produce fruitfulness in your life from here forward that it makes up for all the lost time. The Lord can do any of that time-shifting stuff. So what He's going to give us this is what repentance will do, which we'll talk about um, in one of our subsequent meetings. Repentance gives us the ability to bear so much fruit that we look back at our past and we have no regrets. 
Now that sounds like a miracle from God. You look back at your past and you go, I have zero regrets. For those 11 years when I was stalled out, I'm thankful for those. You know why? Because I'll never let it happen to anybody that comes under my watch again. Because it made me so sick when I realized somebody's stolen something from me. I should be mature by now. And I wasn't. I don't regret those years. It's all right. The Lord has used all that stuff. He's used, you know, he's used whatever pain and failures in my life to make me who I am by the grace of God. I just want to tell you all, you're going to get where the Lord wants you to get. I believe that. I honestly believe, as we, when we talk about judgment, I believe we're going to get there whether you like it or not, actually. You can, if you belong to him, you can dig in your heels and say, I don't want to obey him. And I just think the Lord's going to have his way. That's what I think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. I do know that we have to participate in our own maturity. Um, but I just want you to know that he's going to get what he intends out of you. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So if we'll just grab onto him, he's going to take us where we need to go. Okay, I want to fill in this last blank. Topping the list of self-deceptions is the belief that if we know it, we're walking in it. Is that quote on your sheet? Oh, well, listen to this great quote. Sorry. A friend of mine said, topping the list of self-deception is this, that we think that if, we're, if we know it, we're doing it. That's a great way to be self-deceived. Knowing and doing are two different things. And we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? Okay. I break thee. I break it. <laughs> Point number one is maturity. How do you get mature? What? Skills. Watch it. Easy. What's a great way to get deceived? Listening to the word. Just listening to the word. Yep. Um, what's your ambition in the Lord, based on what we just said? To become mature and fully like Christ. That's our destiny in Him. Okay. Next point. It's kind of the same thing. Christ-likeness. Um, and Christ-likeness is measured by maturity, which we've already talked about. There's Romans 8, 29. <clears throat> Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And I'll just give you a warning here on the way to maturity. Um, he predestined us to be, the word chosen was conformed to the image of his son. Being conformed is what you do to Play-Doh <laughs> when you squish it in those things and a little extra comes off and you cut it off. And it gets, that's what being conformed looks like. And so if you're going to be conformed into the image of his son, there's going to be some pressure. There's going to be some pressure put on you. And sometimes it's going to feel like God's doing this. To you and you go, I think I'm going to die. 
And he goes, you are going to die, but I'll just resurrect you. It's okay. No problem. And that's how he does it. It's our destiny conformed to the image of a son. The second verse, Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm so excited that everybody in this room knows that you're going somewhere in your spiritual life. That alone sets you apart from 95% of Christians out there who just think we're on the church time patty cake merry-go-round. Um, no, we're headed somewhere, and it's Christ-likeness, and there's pressure between here and there. And so, Lord, teach us how to deal with the pressure that you're going to bring. Help us harness the maturity that you're going to put us through. I want to show you this process so we can think rightly about our salvation. You don't have to draw this. I just want you to know this. <clears throat> Look, here's a timeline. You're physically born at some point on the timeline. You have a spiritual birth. You're born again at some point on the timeline. I hope, again, I hope that's the case for everybody in this room. If it's not, we have great classes for you at Crossroads. This just isn't it. Um, and at some point, you're going to have physical death also. That's definitely on your timeline. I'm sure of it. <clears throat> Salvation is something that begins when you're born again. It's not something that happens, starts and finishes. I got saved. You'll never hear me say that. I got saved. Because that makes it sound like I'm done with salvation at this point. I am most certainly not. Um, I was born again a long, long time ago. In uh, several decades ago. It makes me sound old when I say that I was born again. Ready? 1979. Wow. Long time ago. But salvation is a process, not an event. Salvation is a process. It is not an event as the Bible represents it. Um, the little blank that you've got there, that line is that Heaven is not our goal, nor is being born again the end of salvation. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the process of salvation. So Paul says, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God because for those of us who, uh, who are being saved, it's the, it's the salvation of God for us. For those of us who are being saved. He also says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Salvation is represented as a process that we go through. So I just want you to understand that this maturity that we go through with God, it is the process of being saved. Every time he speaks to you, you have one of those moments where you change your thinking and then you change your behaviors and you go on from there. That's called salvation. When God enters your world and you follow him, that's salvation. And that's supposed to happen on a daily basis for us. That he would speak to us, we'd follow him, and we'd get a little more saved every day. I'm in the process of being saved. Um, I want you to understand that about yourself. 
between here, spiritual birth, and physical death, between here and here, is fight time. And one of the reasons I want you to have this ambition for your life of spiritual maturity is because I want you to grit your teeth a little bit. Because one of the things I see in Christian world is a malaise that's just sort of whatever happens is God's will, I guess. And so God will work out what he wants worked out. And I will be here on the sidelines just hoping he makes it better than it is today instead of, I am here to fight, baby. And when the devil brings it to my front door, he's going to run away screaming, yike, 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 because I'm going to get him. Don't mess with me. Don't bring trouble to me. If trouble comes to my house, this is what we say, if trouble comes to my house, I want, it have been to, I want it to have been brought by the Lord. I don't want the devil bringing his trash to my house, and he's going to have to deal with me. And I've been given authority over him, which we'll all learn. So um, I, the, the, the lack of fight that I see troubles me. And I want you to understand that between spiritual birth and physical death, there's fight. Um, and the Lord will make a way for you. I, I said this, the Lord is going to have his way with you, but you do have to participate with him. Um, he's not going to force you to follow him. You'll have to choose that for yourself. You have to choose. You have to choose that several times a day, every day of your life. That I'm going to choose, and you'll get better at it. That I, I can say this, the choice becomes easier as you go um, because you get used to dying. Um, but the fight is going to be required, and we want to give you, uh, you know, gloves, boxing gloves, and we want to give you washboard abs, and, you know, we, we want to set you up so that you can fight and you can win, not only for yourself, but for all of those who will come behind you, all of those lives that God intends for you to touch, and I know that he does. He says that about you in the scriptures, that he intends for you to bear fruit also. Um, so heaven is not our goal. Um, I, that's one of the lies I was sort of taught early on. And then I realized the Bible says, actually, I will see the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. Oh, oh, I thought we just sort of held our breath and put up with the doo-doo until we die. And then, whoa, we get to go to heaven. Woo! Um, no, I'm supposed to see the kingdom right here. Isn't that why we pray? May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth the way that it is in heaven. I mean, what are we doing? What, what is that prayer for? It's because when you come into my world, you're going to see the kingdom of God ushered in because I am an usherer of the kingdom of God. That's a job that he's given me and you and every one of his children is here comes the kingdom. Look, Stephen's here. Here comes the kingdom. You know, the, the Lord's coming. And I'm going to be in agreement with him. He's coming. Okay. <clears throat> the process for Christ-likeness is obedience, which is what I'm getting at regarding the choice that you have to make. How do you get skills? What does practice look like? It is, there's one magic word. It's obedience. 
There's no possible way to become mature without mastering the six skills that are listed at the beginning of Hebrews 6. And there is no possibility of your becoming mature without obedience becoming the love language between you and your Heavenly Father. No chance. It's about obedience. And so that's why if we want to be those follower types, we we have to get straight in our head that the Lord is good and he has the right to tell me what to do. Now, if you're here in this class and you're not convinced that God is good, I don't blame you for that. Um, I've been around church long enough to not blame you for not thinking that God is good. Um, but that's really a receiver deal, is whether, whether God is good or not. And I'm really passionately interested in you understanding that God is good. That's, not, that's just not the point of this class. Um, because I was, at, again, I was at a point in my life where I believe God was good. I believe he loves me. I believe he wants the best for me. I believe I'm his son. And so what? What, what do we do about that? I'm still struggling with the same crap I always struggle with. And I don't know how I contribute except to come around here and do whatever they tell me to do. You know, hand this out. Okay, here. I'm just, you love me, God? What, is this what I was born again for so I can hand out stuff? Like, just get really frustrated at the, at the merry-go-round that you've heard already. And, and I know that there's this magic bullet called obedience, that if we can learn how to respond to what he tells us, maturity happens, period. You don't have to listen to any of my lectures about, here's how maturity works, here's the Greek words that mean maturity. You don't have to know any of that stuff. If you'll just make it the point of your life to obey what you hear God saying, you'll become mature. Period. The end of class. You can walk out of here and never come back. Just start obeying what God tells you to do, and you'll be fine. That's truth. Learn how to hear God's voice and obey Him, and you're going to be fine. That is the magic bullet, and it's what doesn't get taught for some reason. I don't know, because it's not cool or sexy to tell people you have to obey the master of the universe. He's going to tell you what to do. Do what He tells you to do. Here's a great memory verse for you. It's a free one. I'm throwing it out there. Just throwing it out. It's John uh, 2, 5, I believe. It's, it's our girl Mary. It's Mary talking. And Mary says, here's a great, it says, um, is, that the, is that 2, 5? Did you look it up? It's a five-word memory verse. Do whatever he tells you. Well, that's a good memory verse right there. Do whatever he tells you. Is that right? Somebody look that up? Okay. It's John 2, 5. Winner. Okay, did God originally give Adam concepts to master a relationship and a job to do? He didn't sit down and say, now let's talk a while, Adam. He said, look, uh, we're going to walk together in the garden every day. You're just going to get to know the sound of my voice. You're going to get to know what I'm like. And by the way, I've got a job for you to do. And you might not know this, the way that the Lord was with Adam and Eve in the garden Um, that is a picture of what it's going to be like for us in heaven. It's like the perfect life. Tons of food. You don't have to hoe the ground for food to come out. Just food just springs out of trees and out of the ground. You just walk around and pick it up and eat it. Um, And we are given work to do because God made us for work. It's satisfying to accomplish things, and the Lord knows that. That's how he made us. And he gave Adam a job to do, and even in the garden. This is before sin. He gave him responsibility. He gave him a job to do. And um, Adam had to obey. 
He had to do what God, you know, God told him, why don't you name all the animals? And Adam had the option of going, no, I don't want to, I want to name the animals. I'll do what you tell me to do. I do, I do what I do. I do what I say. Um, no, he, he just said, I, okay, I, I do what you command me to do. That's what, that's what mature, normal life looks like. Walking with our father every day, doing what he tells us to do. That's the way it was, that's the way it was in the garden right at the beginning. And again, Hebrews 12 to strategizing your path to obedience is God's job, not ours. Uh, Hebrews 12 2 says, uh, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our job is to listen and obey, learning his ways as we go. If you'll start obeying him regularly, you'll get to know what he's like. That's fact. If you'll just make it the pattern of your life to obey him, you will start to understand what your father is like because you'll start to see the pattern in the things that he has you do. You're like, well, he keeps asking me to pick up trash in every restaurant and parking lot I go through. You know, he's into humility. He likes servants. Huh. Maybe I should like servants. That's what my dad's like. I know that because he always tells me to pick up trash. He likes humility. Huh, I like humility. I wonder how else I could pursue humility. Oh, interesting. Etc. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are useful to God. And I, I find this with my children. They want to be useful. They want to be helpers. I'm your helper, Daddy. And I help you. Don't I help you? Well, actually, you make more work for me when you help. Um, but it's in the heart. It's in the heart of a good child to want to help and to want to be found useful, to be a contributor to the family. And I want to train my children so that they are contributors to the family. They can have that satisfaction, your contributor. And I want all of you to know you were born with certain gifts in you. You were born to be a contributor to the family. I don't know what those gifts are, but you have them. They were born in you. And those gifts and those callings, they have no repentance. God will never remove them from you. They are signed onto your life just because he loves you. You were born to be a contributor, and he prepared works in advance for you to do. They're not the way that you get saved. I don't get justified before God because I do the works that he wants me to do. Jesus justifies me before God. But that doesn't mean that, work, that works have no place in my life. Yes, they do. That's the way that I obey him and I grow up in him. I become more like him and I contribute to the family. Um, I want to. I want to contribute to the family. I want, I want to be a good son. Jeremiah 29, you might have heard before, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We, we hear that verse a lot as just sort of, God wants the best for you. True. Listen to the next verse. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What are some of the good plans that God has for you? That you would cry out to him. That you would seek him. That you would pursue him. 
I'm, I'm, I'm showing you these verses because I want you to understand that life in God is not a passive activity. We just go, I just need to receive that he loves me more and just grace and I'm just sitting around thinking. No, that's not what he made us for. He made us to hear his voice and to do his will and to be him in the earth. God has specific plans for us and he knows how to get us there. Oh yeah, so let's put let's chart those verses. We're created to do specific things through Jesus as I just showed you, Ephesians 2:10. We are his workmanship. Right? He created us to do specific things. They're on your salvation timeline, the doing of these things. He has chosen them in advance for you to do. Did you know that? He's chosen good works for you to do next week. You have no idea what they are, but they're sitting there. They're waiting there. They're like little doorways that you can walk through. He's already set them up for you, and he wants you to walk through them because maturity is on the other side of those doors because every doorway that he sets up for you is about obedience. When he has set up a good work for you, and I'm making fun of all this church stuff, maybe the thing that he wants you to do is hand out programs. No, I would never hand out programs. I'm... I think I'm far too mystical for the handing out <laughs> programs. And the Lord says to you, you know what you are? You're arrogant. Why don't you hand out programs? Okay. I'll hand out programs. And when you, I'll, can I hand out the programs? Okay. You're handing out programs. What this is, what am I doing here? Um, I'm doing obedience. I'm doing the good works that the Lord has prepared in advance for me to do. And I'm going to become mature. That's what this is about not about handing out programs. It's because I'm going to walk through every one of these doorways that he's prepared for me to do. <clears throat> God knows all the plans he has just for you. It's the same thing. These good works and these opportunities to obey or disobey, they're all the same thing. That's the good plans that he has for you. Do you see that? Sorry, do you see that? Okay. Or you're mesmerized with this truth. It's dawning on you and you just can't believe. Yeah, the owls fixated your attention. <laughs> can't take my eyes off the freaky owl. Here's a little quiz question here for you. Let me get through your sheet here. God has specific plans for us. He knows how to get us there. He has things to give us for which we are currently unprepared. I want you to understand that. He has things for you to do for which you are currently unprepared. I believe for everybody in this room, there's something waiting for you five years from now that's something like healing someone of cancer, raising someone from the dead, feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread. I believe that. You're not currently prepared to do that stuff. Well, that's why we need to go to the salvation timeline. You just need to hit the marks that he has for you today. I'm not asking you to feed 5,000 people today. Are you willing to hand out programs? I'm holding out for the 5,000. <laughs> which is usually my attitude towards obedience, by the way. I actually had a prophet come to me and tell me that to my face. He said, I'd never met this guy before. 
he prophesied to me and he totally read my mail. This is one of the things he said to me, totally accurate. And he said, Stephen, you have your heart set on big things. And I was like, I sure do. <laughs> and he said, but what you find is that you're not willing to invest yourself in the small things. And I want you to know that the Lord wants to entrust the big things to you, but he can't trust you if you haven't proven yourself by obeying in the small things. Well, that's Bible. What he's, he's, he's reading the Bible to me. That's, that's uh, Matthew 9, Luke 19. Luke 19 says, um, no, it's not. It's Luke 16.10. It's whoever can be trusted in a very small thing could also be, be trusted with much. But whoever cannot be trusted with a small thing cannot be trusted with much. And the Lord said, I was talking about handing out programs, humbling yourself. By the way, I never wanted to work at Crossroads. as a very anti-religion point in my life. I never wanted to work at Crossroads. I didn't want to have anything to do with an organized church ever again. Because I got burned bad, burned bad by church life. Bad, bad. I got burned, burned bad. Burned bad by church life. I didn't want to have anything to do with church. And, and the Lord told me, I got a place for you at Crossroads. I want you to, at the time it was, I want you to lead the music there. I was just like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and he said, right this way. Well, here's what's on the line when he does that to you, whether it's you're going to lead music here or you're going to hand out programs, you're going to pick up trash. What's on the line is, do you want to come all the way to maturity? Are you interested in raising people from the dead? Yes. Okay. This is step one to raising people from the dead. Okay. Well, I'm in. I want to be trusted. I want to be found faithful in a small thing. Very, very, very important concept. Be found faithful in a small thing. When you're driving in your car, this happens to me regularly. You're driving in your car and the Lord says, turn off the radio right now. I just want to talk to you. Your decision to press that button or not, you might, be, you might be selling your whole spiritual future down the river because you don't want to press a button. What are you doing? What are you, stupid? <laughs> press the button. Who cares about listening to the radio? Oh, it's a good song. These guys are funny. Now, hold on. <laughs> These guys are funny. I mean, that's what I, I'm listening to sports radio, and the Lord goes, like, turn the radio off. Like, uh, he's going to make a pretty good point here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> turn the radio off and what I'm saying to the Lord in all of these tiny little obediences through my life is that I want you I want you and I want to be found faithful in a small thing because I want you to put me and tr trust me with the good stuff and he says that point blank he's actually talking about money in that passage and he says if I couldn't trust you by putting five dollars in your pocket and seeing what you're going to do with five dollars why would I entrust you with true spiritual wealth and I want to take my shoes off again and go like, um, I don't really deserve to talk to you, do I, God? And he goes, no, but that's not what this is about. It's all right. It's not about deserve. Just follow me. Just look, come on, let's walk. Um, because we are spiritually unprepared. Want a promotion? Do you want a promotion? Yes, me too. And I want you to want a promotion. I want you to have very huge ambitions for your spiritual life. And the way to set yourself up for that promotion is to obey right now with whatever he's telling you to do. We could probably go around the room right now and a lot of you could list off three and four and five things that I know God has told me to do.
Mm. Gonna have to do that. Gonna have to do that. And I, really, that's probably the best, the best help that we could give you in this first week is to just say, what has God told you to do? Now we're going to help you do it. Dang it, you're going to do it. Whatever he's told you to do. John 2, 5. Do whatever he tells you. Period. Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Also a great memory verse. Okay, here, so here's my little pop quiz. I'm, I'm going to ask you this again. I'm going to ask you, next time we get together, I'm going to ask you how you could get deceived. And I'm going to ask you, how do you know if you're saved? Big question. I heard, the, the pucker factor raised about 12% in the room just by me asking that question. Because you think I'm going to say something, I told you you're not saved. Um, no. How do you know if you're saved? And it's not because you had a little tear roll, roll down your cheek or you went to the front and signed a card or I don't know what you do. Um, it's right here. It's 1 John 2.3. And it says, We know we've come to know him if we obey his commands. That's it. Do you feel that God told you to do something last week and you did it? Okay, you're saved. That's easy. That was easy. Did God tell you to do something and you did it? Oh, okay. If you did it, that means he's the Lord. You acknowledge his lordship. You open up the scriptures. I always teach my, I go to Hebrew, uh, Romans 12 with my guys. You open up Romans 12, there's a big long list of to-dos. And one of them is show hospitality to one another. And I go like, guys, do you, do you, do you want to be saved? Yeah. Well, he tells you to show hospitality. Why don't you invite somebody over for dinner? All right, I'll invite somebody here for dinner. Great. You just obeyed the word of God. We know we've come to know him if we obey his commands. Just make, make your lifestyle one of obedience. I don't have any assurance of my salvation. I'm not sure that I'm really saved. I'm not sure that it counted when I pray that prayer. I fill a card. I'm not sure I did saved. Did, did, did you hear God's voice? Did you do what he says? Yeah. Okay. It's a non-issue. People who aren't saved and aren't on this process of salvation, they can get all the Bible quiz answers just fine. That, that doesn't do anything for God's heart. When my daughters don't do the right thing, I have this thing with every parent does with the kids. What did I tell you to do? They always get that right somehow. They always know... Exactly what I told them to do. And that doesn't delight me, that they get it right. And they'll go, well, you knew, as long as you knew. That's cool. No. I go, then you're culpable. You know exactly what I told you to do. The problem is you didn't do it. Now we're going to have to go through discipline. Things are going to go slow. You're going to cry for a while. Oh, boy. That's not fun for me. I didn't want to do that. Now you've ruined my day. <laughs> and you know, and, and our lives look like that a lot of times. We're walking around crying because God's given us a spanking and we just, God's so mean, I don't know why. What did he tell you to do? I was supposed to break up with my boyfriend. Did you do it? No. 
That's because he's spanking you. Because you know what he tells you to do, you're not doing it. It's real simple. Um, so we're not going to get anywhere in this class if we don't have hearts for obedience. So would you like to, to commit to the Lord heart of obedience? Great. What about you, Jeff? You didn't respond at all. You're just looking at your little computer back there. <laughs> you want a heart of obedience too? Oh. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, I tell you what, let, let's stand up. One, two? We'll just, we'll just make a commitment to the Lord right now. As you're going to learn in this class, um, there is a creative power to our words. The Lord made everything that there is by the power of his word. Praise God for his word, his wonderful, awesome, living word. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God will never die. It's eternal. The grass withers and the flower fades and the word of God will never, will never change, will never stop, will never die, never end. And we're made in his image. That's why curses that come out of our mouths really matter. We can change the lives of somebody by speaking a curse over them um, in our anger. The Bible says our anger does not accomplish the will of God. But we have creative power in our tongues. James tells us that there is power that God has imbued in our mouths. And when we bless something, something actually changes in the spiritual world. So we're going to do things like this where we're going to just make commitments and say things. Because something actually happens in our heart when we confess. And that's Romans 10, 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So we believe, we do something. So this is one of the things I can't make you reconcile your relationships in this room, but I can make you do something with your mouth. So we're just going to make good confessions here, okay? Sound good to you? Yes. Okay, well... If it doesn't, trust me on this, and you can drop out eventually. But here you're, you're in the class tonight. Glad about that. Okay, so let's, let's just um, make some commitments to the Lord. Okay, you can close your eyes if you're more comfortable. I don't really care what you do. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some statements. I don't want you to lie, but if you agree with me, I want you to say these things with your mouth. God, I know that you want me to be mature. God, I know that you want me to be mature. And in agreement with you, I also want to be mature. And in agreement with you, I also want to be mature. I give you the right to mature me by your spirit. I give you the right to mature me by your spirit. I know that I will have to obey you. I know that I will have to obey you. I know that I will have to experience pressure. I know that I will have to experience pressure. But I really want to be saved. But I really want to be saved. As you lead me, I'll turn away from my old ways and my old ways of thinking, I'll let you redesign my thoughts and change my behavior. Change my 
I'm going to learn better how to hear you and to obey you. It's really good. Uh, Lord, I, uh, I bless these people, everybody here who had the humility to just, you know, <laughs> repeat words and mean them with their heart. I mean, I could see people in the room who are like, oh, I can't wait to say those words. Um, just to have the humility to go like, yeah, that's, yes, I'm going there. Not, a, not following me or agreeing with me, but we've seen your words here, Lord. Just, we just want to follow your words. We want to agree with you. Go in the ways that you've created for us, which are good ways, ways of life, to make our lives not trouble-free, but trouble-proof, and to grow us up into the image of your Son. Now, Lord, I bless these people. <clears throat> I know that the enemy intends to prevent them from following through on what they're starting here tonight, much less, you know, the next 50 years. But just here, this little what is this, 16-week exercise or however long it is. Um, and so I ask that you would hedge these people in. And now I'm going to ask you to put your hands out forward before you like this, like you're receiving a gift. Okay. So, Lord, I'm asking that while as these people are in receive mode, um, that you would just fill them up, give them courage, the courage to be ruthless with their own sin and their own weakness and their own kind of doubts and mamby-pamby nature that we all have. Um, I ask that you would give them love so they would feel your kind, gracious invitation to them as you grow us all up. I ask that you would put equipment into these hands that over the course of this class you would, you would entrust us with the power tools of your kingdom um, you would put a, you know, a, a sickle and a, a hoe, a scythe in our hands so we can go do the Father's work. I really want to get good at doing your work. And so I'm asking that there will be equipping because of this time that will not be wasted, <clears throat> just more Bible talk. Um, it'll be harnessed by these people. And they're, they're, they're opening their hands to you saying, God, I'm happy for you to take my hand right now and lead me through a process I've never been through. Maybe I've been a believer a long time, but I've never been through this before, and, and so I'm coming to you as a child, and I'm saying, take my hands, Daddy. I trust you, and I want you to grow me up. And I agree with your word over me that it's my destiny to be like your son. Bless these people, Lord. Protect them and speak to them. Um, as they go, even some of them, I, I know that you put your finger on several things for people that you've told, you're reminding these people in this room things that you told them to do that they still haven't done. <clears throat> it's because of your kindness and your patience that you're doing that. And so we don't receive that as condemnation from you, we receive it as love. And um, we're going to say, I'm going to do what you say. So let's say that. I'm going to do what you say. Yeah, that's what it's like to walk with you, Lord. We receive you. Amen. Okay, that we, that's how you put a stake in the ground. You can take a seat. <clears throat> um,
You see at the bottom of your sheet there, I will memorize blank this week. Go ahead and fill that out. Put, stick your verse in there. I'm not offended if you choose the five-word verse. I obviously chose that at some point in my life. I know it. I'm happy I know it. Um, again, if, if you're like, well, I don't know what to do, do James 1.22. Um, but I'll tell you again, when you get together with your small group, when you show up and they say, hey, great to see you. Glad, glad you're here. Okay, step right in. Then they're going to go, what's your memory verse? And you're not going to go, we were supposed to have a memory verse? I, I don't even know about that. You can pull out the sheet and go, it was right down here, dum-dum, right here. They, might, they won't call you dum-dum. That's if you're in my group, which is why I don't have a group presently. They don't trust me to lead a group. Um, okay, so what I, what I want us to do is just to be able to, to get some um, facial recognition with the people in our small groups. Um, so I don't know how we do that. If, if, I'll tell you what. If... Thank you.